Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's Friday, the twenty-third of September. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for including us in your day. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Lamentations. I think these are probably uh, two of the most oft-quoted and beautiful, encouraging verses in all of Scripture. So Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Now, that is not the translation that I have memorized these verses out of. And so um, I just I just want to encourage you today, however it is that these verses resonate in your heart and mind, the faithful love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. It leads us to sing, oh, God, my father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness to me. With the assurance of God's faithful love, mercies that are new every morning that never come to an end, we can face today and tomorrow, come what may. So even as we turn to the challenges that are before us, I have a sweet, um, sweet dear a uh, friend who just texted in just a few moments ago, please pray for my 14-year-old son. He's going through some tough times and it breaks my heart. Um, as we walk through valleys and shadows and challenges, let us be praying for one another. Let us be encouraging one another. Let's be directing one another to the spiritual resources that God is offering first and foremost, himself, himself and a grace that is all-sufficient, mercies that are new every morning. Let me encourage and invite you to revel today in the mercy of God. Rest today in the unflinching faithfulness of God. Be renewed today in the unfailing love of God. The suffering of the world is great. She is in travail of many kinds, um, from physical storms and natural disasters, the aftermath um, to people surging in the streets in Haiti, Iran, Russia, the plight of people suffering under oppression and unjust wars, the ills that plague our society and culture. Great is the travail of the world today. And for most of us, the chief concern is things like this. My 14-year-old son is going through some tough times and it breaks my heart. Whether... We're talking about a person who's four or 14 or 40 or 84. It's the person closest to us. Um, Where the mercies of God are new every morning. And so as you and I lift up 
prayers um, to God for a world in great travail. As Canada prepares for the arrival of Hurricane Fiona and Puerto Rico um, cleans up after it as Russian protesters surge in the streets and people try to find any way out of Russia that they can. Um, as the people of Ukraine continue to uh, to suffer greatly as protesters in or protests in Iran spread to uh, to now a dozen cities after the death of a woman in custody of the Islamist morality police for allegedly wearing her head covering improperly. Um, as in North Dakota, we uh, we all consider the political violence of a 41 year old man um, who used his car to run down an 18 year old pedestrian um, killing him. Because the man in the car felt threatened in some nonspecific way by um, by this teenager. As we face travail and trauma on every side, let us remember that the mercies of God are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies never come to an end. That's what we're going to focus on today, bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of the day. Bruce Ashford is going to join us with a very, very, very personal look um, at his own experience of depression and help us all turn our attention to the Lord our God. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Dr. Bruce Ashford. Um, we often talk about the things that he is posting on his um, on his website. And today we're going to turn our attention to some very, very personal posts that Bruce has um, there. And so I'm going to invite you to check them out at bruceashford.net. Good morning, friend. Good morning, Carmen. It's great to be on the show again. All right. So it's great to have you. Um, you know, I'll just lead with this. Um, you're a competent, accomplished professional why in the world would you um, post things about experiences of depression that you've had and and your own personal failings? Yeah, you know that's a that's a good question. My pattern has been to uh, to post on matters of professional interest, Christianity and politics, or Christianity and cultural trends and so forth. But uh, you know, recently I went through. I've had two periods of depression in life. One that was about five or six years. Uh, when, when I was in my 20s, and then more recently in my 40s, about two years of a deep, dark uh, depression. And I've I've uh, found in, in my experience that when I open up about this, there are a lot more people experiencing it around me uh, than I thought. So I decided to, to uh, uh, journal it a little bit uh, about what I've learned uh, on my website. I've gotten a really good response. Yeah, no doubt. I um, you know, I wanted I wanted to tee the first question up um so that people would understand why we're talking about this and why you are publicly talking about this because traditionally, Bruce, you and I both know this. This would be something that we would um seek to avoid conversation about. Um and we would 
you know, well, we wouldn't want people to know that about us. I want to say thank you um, and appreciate not only your vulnerability and your transparency, but the faithfulness with which you um, till the soil of this conversation and where you lead people, which is ultimately to hope. And Bruce and I want to be sure that if you are struggling today um, and if you are struggling uh, to the point of considering the taking of your own life, we want you to call 988. The helpline is available nationwide. If you dial 988, you are going to get um, a person in your local community who is prepared to help you walk, um, walk faithfully out of that darkness and back into light. Um, so with that said, Bruce, let's talk a little bit about, um, about your experience. Two of the four um, pieces, there, there are four pieces posted at bruceashford.net that I want to direct your attention to today. We're going to start with on not wanting to live, but not wanting to die. Talk with us, um, particularly in this most recent season of depression, um, you know, what your experience was um, in the darkness. Yeah, so if you're out there in radio land um, and you are experiencing depression or uh, you have a family or a family member or a friend who's experiencing depression, I'm going to explore it a little bit, what it feels like. Um, if you're experiencing that, um, maybe you'll find a, a little bit of my story and yours. And if you're not experiencing, you probably are uh, friends or, or family members with somebody who is, and maybe it'll be helpful. You know, so so my um, experience of depression takes part in a general de- experience of depression that many people feel. You know, I, um, uh, I, I had lost interest in life. Uh, there was nothing in life that could induce happy feelings, not even some of the good things in life that I had. Um, I, I didn't really want to die, certainly not during this last period of depression. I've got children who I love and and so forth. But I also didn't uh, feel like living, you know, almost just wanted to be asleep is, uh, you know, is, is what I wanted. And uh, the type of depressed people often feel and people around them don't understand it, you know, uh, and sometimes say very unhelpful things like snap out of it or come on, man, look at all the good things you, you have in life. I, you know, what's wrong with you? Um, but uh, this experience of depression can't be driven away by rebuke from other people. In fact, it caught, you know, when you rebuke another person who's depressed and uh, just kind of talk down to them, it drives them uh, further into depression. So. Um, so, yeah, that was my that was my experience. Um, yeah, and when and we Bruce, dive into the. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. And when we dive into the, the subject of depression, one of the important things to note is that God created human beings as psychosomatic beings. That means um, we, we have both a body and a soul. And the cause of depression, the causes of depression can be multiple. There can be physical issues such as a thyroid issue, PTSD. You know, those are physical issues. There can be uh, brain based psychological issues going on, chemical imbalance in the brain. There can and almost always is some sort of uh, uh, spiritual, uh, uh, if not a spiritual cause of depression, uh, our, our kind of, a lack of close connection with God can be an aggravating factor or a factor that causes us not to respond very well. And so one of the, I just say one, one of the best things to do if we're experiencing depression or know somebody who is, is to be patient and trying to understand what it is that's causing, uh, that depression. If we go and just medicate immediately, um, then we take away the symptoms and often or never, you know, 
never motivated to find the real cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that masking effect. Hey, we're going to continue talking with Bruce, Bruce Ashford in just a moment. We're, we're talking very personally about his experiences of depression, which he um, shares very transparently and yet with great hope. Um, you can find what we're discussing at bruceashford.net. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Bruce Ashford is here this morning. We um, ordinarily talk about things at the intersection of the Christian faith and political life. Um, But Bruce has posted a series of very personal, um, very personal entries at BruceAshford.net. It's a series on his own personal experience of depression um, in two different periods of his life. You can find them at bruceashford.net. Bruce, I'd love for you to um, spend a couple of minutes talking about the black dog and then trusting in a being far more powerful than the black dog. And then I'd love to move to a conversation about the weapons available to people in the midst of depression that they may not be um, taking hold of. And those come from your piece, The Fight for My Life, Why I Failed During the Time of Greatest Trial. Could we do that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, one of the metaphors that's been used for depression is uh, uh, the black dog, and it comes from an old ancient folklore. We won't get into it, but a depressed person can feel like that we are being um, followed by, trailed by some sort of foreboding uh, force that uh, grabs a hold of us. And and, uh, I've chosen that as a metaphor that I was followed by the black dog for about six or seven years earlier in life and for about uh, two years more recently. And... um, the first period was triggered by a traumatic event, something that happened to me. And unfortunately, I didn't open up. I didn't go for counseling. I didn't open up to anybody about that event. And so I isolated myself, and that caused my depression to become worse. Isolation is a tendency of anyone who's depressed, and it's not a good tendency because isolation is not what we need You know, when we're depressed. It happened again here recently in the last two years. And one of the things I began doing is I began to give up um, about a year, year and a half into my depression, began to medicate with alcohol, which was not good, uh, not a good thing to do. Alcohol is a depressant and uh, causes things to be worse. And so how can we escape the jaws of the black dog? You know, that's uh, what, what this series of articles deals with. And sometimes medication is going to be involved. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about um, the, the spiritual weapons we have at our disposal. Yeah, I would love that. I appreciate, first of all, the way you describe the opponent. Um, and that's it's so scriptural. It's so real. Um, you you illuminate it just so well. Um, so 
in addition to the black dog, you describe um, the opponent that um, that we all face in different ways, right? The enemy takes on these very different um, tactics depending on sort of what our personal temptation is or our proclivities or the way that we're wired. And so if you could visit that for just a moment and then, yes, what are the weapons that are within reach of um, of those of us who are Christians to use as we're um, battling particularly depression? Yeah, so Scripture teaches us that the evil one is uh, like, like a predator, like a like a, a, a lion in the tall grass waiting patiently and ready to pounce. That's one of the metaphors Scripture gives us, that he's a, a powerful predator. It also says he's a con man. He's the greatest liar that the world has ever known. And uh, at the bottom of his many variations of lies is one lie, and that is that God cannot be trusted and that he will not deliver on his promises and that therefore either life is not worth living or that life is not worth living the way God uh, tells us to live it. And the thing is this, that uh, the evil one is, is ready to be patient. We can be faithful for years, but at the moment we begin to lose faith, he is right there ready uh, to pounce. The good news, however, is that Scripture gives us uh, some weapons, spiritual weapons. And when we draw upon those weapons that are spiritual weapons given by God, then uh, the evil one, does, you know, cannot gain a, a final hold hold on us. He can't win. Okay, so one of the weapons is remembrance. Scriptures teach us over and over again to remember uh, God and to remember His mighty acts. Uh, you know, in relation to people in the past that are listed in Scripture, many of whom experienced deep depression, like the prophet uh, Jeremiah and others. And so we can remember God by going to the scriptures. We can remember God and his good deeds in our own lives. Look over the years at the many ways that God has taken care of us. And so we should saturate saturate ourselves in the Bible's narrative uh, to remember God. And we should remember our own personal uh, history and the way God has always come through for us, even if we can't see that in the moment. Mm. So that's weapon of remembrance. Another weapon is the weapon of ritual, daily ritual. Now, a lot of people think the word ritual is a bad word because when they hear the word ritual, they think of empty ritual, just doing things in a meaningless way. But the Bible treats ritual differently, that ritual is something good. And as a depressed person, what I needed to do but didn't do often enough is to build into my life some daily habits. Some of these are just natural habits. Get some sunshine, work out, eat well, sleep on cycle. These are the kind of things that help with depression. But also there's spiritual habits, you know, um, you know, getting together with other uh, people who can provide some encouragement. Um, a person who's depressed is going to tend to isolate. But what we have to do is we have to be determined to break out of our our uh, our isolation. And so there need to be physical habits, uh, doing natural and organic things that will help us over the long run. There need to be relational habits, getting together with other people of faith or other people who can encourage us. Um, so there's the weapon of remembrance, uh, the weapon of daily ritual, and then the weapon of perseverance. Now, um, you know, when, when I was depressed, I felt like God had left me and uh, the more I prayed, it seemed to me the worse things got. And this went on for weeks and months and years. And in the end, I didn't persevere. I had a break in my perseverance. But Scripture teaches us to persevere. Perseverance is not flashy. Nobody can really, it, it, it's, it's hard to see when another person is persevering. Right, slogging. Hard for me to, it's hard for yeah. me to see myself mm-hmm. persevering. But um 
perseverance is majestic. It's glorious. It pays off in the end. And, you know, think of analogies. What if a boxer gets in the ring and decides not to persevere over the course mm. of however many rounds of a fight? Well, he's going to lose. What if a farmer doesn't persevere? What if he plants the seeds of his crop and just decides, you know what, I'm, I'm going to quit irrigating my crops and I'm not going to tell them and, 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 uh, and gain the, the fruit of those crops? Well, that's what it's like when, when we give up. Um, so there, you've got a fighter as a as a uh, analogy, a farmer as an analogy. What about a marathon runner? Um, marathon runner is in for a lot of physical pain and duress over a long period of time. But if a marathon runner perseveres, there's a glorious reward at the end of the race. And so perseverance may not be flashy, but it is uh, majestic. And so if you are friends or family members of a depressed person, uh, maybe in a later radio show, we can explore this in, in uh, detail. One of the things you can do is encourage the, your loved one to persevere um, and to help them in any way you can to remember God, help them to build some habits, some daily habits uh, that will help them keep their orientation in the midst of the depression and then encourage them to, uh, to persevere, to be in this for the long haul. Yeah, we have a friend texting in right now who said, I've spent you know two years depressed. I'm, I'm seeking to reconcile the fact that life is tragic. It's not rainbows and unicorns. Um, but, but that's also why Jesus came, in order to rescue us from tragedy. I think perspective um, is, is an essential component part of this. I, I recognize um, living as a, a kingdom-aware person, right? Living as a person aware of the realities of the kingdom of heaven, aware of the character of God, aware of God's you know, deep desire for, um, for human flourishing and for you know, a reconciled relationship and eternal life and all of those things. As a person living kingdom aware, um, the, the, the circumstances of life and the challenges we face and the traumas we experience, um, you know, they, they are disorienting and can have a, an utterly depressing effect. Um, but depression is not only episodic. And so um, Bruce and I want you to hear today that uh, getting the intervention that you need, getting the help that you need, um, these spiritual weapons are important. Your spiritual perseverance is important. Um, but help is important too. Um, therapy, recovery programs. Um, we we want you to avail yourself of all that is uh, all that is available um, to us, uh, and and all of the good ways that God works um, to bring people out of darkness and into light. Did I say yeah, that? If you'll, uh, Did I say that yeah, rightly, yeah. Bruce? Absolutely. And if you're interested, I'll be posting a series of 15 or 20 articles on depression. It's at bruceashford.net. And one of the articles I posted recently um, was called Navigating a Heavy Fog, Seven Tips for Friends and Family Members of a Depressed Person, where I give a little bit of guidance of how to, what's helpful and what is not helpful mm. in uh, relating to a, a depressed person. So if you'll check out bruceashford.net, uh, the, the, uh, the last four articles that have been published have been on depression. And if that'll help you, and I'll be publishing uh, some more here in the near future. Navigating a Heavy Fog, Seven Tips for Friends and Family Members of a Depressed Person. You can find that at bruceashford.net in addition to um, the specific things that we talked with Bruce about today. Bruce, um, thank you. Um, let's, uh, let's 
let's circle back around on this now that we know there's going to be um, several more articles. Would that be would that be good? Would you be willing to do that? Let's do it. I love being on the show, yeah. Carmen. And I want to say to everyone out there in uh, Radio Land uh, listening that I'm uh, very grateful to be a part of the Faith Radio family and uh, friends with Carmen LaBerge. <laughs> hey, that's mutual, man. I, I love you and um, appreciate this uh, transparent, very helpful conversation. That's Bruce Ashford. Uh, you can find, again, what we talked about today and so much more at BruceAshford.net. Let's take a break for Upwards with Max Lucado. I will pass along all of your appreciative uh, comments and greetings um, for Bruce on the text line. Remember, you can text me during the show, 877-933-2484. If you're listening to this via podcast later, um, email me, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, so, um, like, right, the darkness is real. Um, and I find it particularly helpful to soak in the scriptures, remind myself of the of the reality of the kingdom, become a much more kingdom-aware person. I spend my time um, focusing on the passages where Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, focusing on the character and the ways of God. Um, I find that talking with other kingdom-aware people is really, really helpful, and spending time in prayer, um, you know, as we face the challenges of this present darkness. So, uh, I, I get it. We live in challenging times, but we live in these times because this is the time God deigned that we should live. And so this is our time. This is our opportunity to bear positive public witness to the reality of God's goodness and his grace. And yes, as the days in which we live become increasingly evil, it's challenging and perseverance is absolutely necessary. So let's encourage one another in the midst of that. And yeah, let's be willing to go get really close to the fire in order to snatch some out. All right, Chris Martin is going to join us next. We are going to be talking about social media. It is not just a young person or student ministry issue. Like, you know, full-grown adults uh, have real issues with social media and maintaining a presence there that is authentically Christian. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Just yesterday, we talked with Hannah George from FilterFirst.org about social responsibility and responsibility on the social internet among our teenagers. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Chris Martin about the fact that that is not just a concern among teenagers, but all of us. Chris, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Carmen. How are you today? I um I am well. I am participating yesterday and today in the child discipleship forum that Awana is putting on and um so I'm like my brain is super duper full. I feel very mm. enriched. How about you? Good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah, I can't complain. Yeah. It's uh as you know, it's starting to feel a little bit more like fall in Nashville in the, over the next week or so. <laughs> okay. So I hope okay, it's so literally hope it's actually here to yeah, I hope it's actually here to stay this time, so we'll see. Literally from air conditioning to heat in one day. It's the bananas. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, social media, the social internet, the, the, the places that we uh, interact and post and consume, this is not just an issue for teenagers, although that tends to be 
where we um, are most comfortable having the conversation. We don't really want to admit this is an this is an all people problem, not just a teenage problem. Yeah, well, I've been writing on social media for a number of years, um, both through the newsletter and through books and such. And I, you know, probably 60 percent, 70 percent of the speaking requests or podcast interview requests that I get on talking about social media are from um, student ministry organizations or like student ministries at churches, sometimes ministries that help student pastors. Often I, I've spoken to parents a lot and, and that's all great. Uh, like I'm happy to speak to how teenagers use social media and, and how we can best disciple them and help them amidst the them carrying the worlds in their pocket, the, the world in their pockets at all times. You know, I think I think that's a really important topic. And I think because teenagers are the power users of social media, I guess you could say, you know, if, if there's a new platform that's becoming popular, uh, it's you're going to hear about it through teenagers at first. I mean, we've talked about that even with Be Real recently before that TikTok. And so teenagers very much are the sort of scouts of social media that the, they're pushing the frontiers of the social media landscape. But if we have this idea that social media is a young people problem or a student Mm -hmm. ministry issue, we're living in 2006 and not 2022. Um, Because here's a a, a stat, or it's not really a stat, it's just a fact that may shock a number of listeners. The earliest Facebook users are pushing 40. Like the, the people who are using Facebook with their .edu email addresses in 2005 and 2006 or whatever... They're pushing 40 years old. And frankly, it's their kids who you're talking about in, stu- in your student ministries who you might be trying to you know, concern yourselves with how they're using social media. But the reality is those earliest now 40-year-old Facebook users, uh, they struggle with social media just as much as their kids do, just as much as the teens in your student ministries do. And so something that I've just been – I've been kind of harping on lately um, as, again, I've been grateful to be speaking to a number of student ministry groups um, is this isn't a student ministry exclusive problem. Um, Like I see Gen Xers and boomers act in a fool on Twitter and Facebook just as much as I see teenagers act in a fool on TikTok or YouTube. Um, And so I think if we have this idea that, oh, yeah, those young people in their social media, like just hang out on Facebook for 30 minutes and you'll realize that like the people going off on each other in the comment section of a local news article post aren't 17. They're more like 37 or 47. Mark Zuckerberg is 38 years old. That's always a, I I just feel like if I could just keep in mind how old he is, that helps me remember how old all of this is. Right. Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, like that's probably the, I mean, the average Facebook user, this is, I'm, I'm, doing this off the cuff so i don't know that this is exactly right but like the average facebook user is probably between 40 and 50 and the average instagram user is probably between like 25 and 40 um so like especially when you examine the meta suite of platforms namely facebook and instagram those are not as much teenage platforms now teenagers are still using instagram but a lot of teenagers are, are kind of starting to reject instagram as fake and and it's kind of their facebook that that they maintain an Instagram account because they feel like they should. It's kind of their home mm-hmm. base, but they're much more active on TikTok and Snapchat where you're not always seeing like what they're doing and how they're interacting. And so, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think, I think we really, as we consider how social media may be negatively affecting us, of course, there's plenty of statistics and trends among teenagers that are concerning. And, and of course they're young, so they're being shaped and, 
and their minds aren't fully developed as as maybe their parents are. But that doesn't mean their parents are like using social media wisely. And so I've just been doing, you know, a little bit of a push to, hey, hey, let's get let's not relegate social media to the youth room, but maybe talk about it in the pulpit and and in our homes a little bit more as well as not just a, a young person issue. Speaking of TikTok, um, let me just say as my public service announcement today, um, do not baste your chicken in NyQuil. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, the latest TikTok trend, so much so that the FDA has issued a formal warning against doing so, is cooking chicken in NyQuil, hashtag sleepy chicken. Um, so if you're not, uh, if you don't know that your kids are on TikTok, uh, then you don't know that this is the latest, grossest, um, yeah. Can I, can I speak to that Social challenge. Yeah, please. Tide tide pods as well. Like what is going on? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's actually not happening. So we don't have, we probably don't have a ton of time to talk about this until the break. So it's not happening, but the FDA is issuing. No, no, we should talk. So here's what's going on. Yeah, so here's what happened. One person posted a TikTok of them allegedly cooking chicken in NyQuil as a joke, like like sleepy time chicken. It's actually a trend as as old as 2017 on a different social media platform. <laughs> and they posted it as sort of like a, a joke. And then a lot of people uh, stitched it, which is like the TikTok version of a retweet, saying like, oh my gosh, can you see this person doing this? This is so ridiculous. What a nasty TikTok trend. And so all these people basically piggybacked onto this comedic video and said like can you believe this is happening this is ridiculous and then a bunch of local news outlets you know craving you know lusting after clicks as they do picked up (laughs) watch out for this viral tiktok trend that your kids might be getting into like lock up the nyquil keep the chicken in the freezer and it's like no this actually isn't happening it's just it one video went viral that wasn't even like a like you never see the person eat the chicken like they're just goofy like they're clearly like messing around and then you had a bunch of people act like it was real and act like it was a trend when in fact it was never happening in any widespread manner (laughs) but it it was purported to be doing so because everyone's looking for the next trend that we need to like hey don't do that that's dangerous okay so that's so thank you so much um because i'm of course looking at um articles at npr which yeah. um, include the FDA warning and right. then the uh, the response to the FDA warning by Procter & Gamble, um, right. the makers of NyQuil, right, from their consumer safety division. Like, so... It, all of these people got fooled. Like, all of these people were like, <laughs> oh, no, we can't have people doing this. We should probably say something. Oh and nobody... T- like, there's one article I read. Uh, it's called... Uh, the email's called Garbage Day. It's like they do they do a lot of research on social media trends. And they're the ones... They actually did the research and said, no, actually, here's how it started. There was only ever one video that depicted somebody actually doing this. And then there were literally thousands of videos that accrued tens of millions of views of people simply commenting on how dumb it was. And that led people to believe that it was actually more pervasive than it was. And then, of course, these agencies and companies are like they have to kind of, you know, cover cover themselves and say, uh, hey, uh, don't do this. Uh, don't do this. And Procter & Gamble has to be like, hey, don't cook your chicken in our stuff. Like, of course, they have to, you know, they feel compelled to do this without actually digging into what was going on. <laughs> I feel I feel um, so much worse and so much better all at the same time. Yes, I Chris Martin and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Um, We're going to talk about the gamification of humanity.
you've been played. Wow, that seems totally on point to the conversation we just had. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. All right, we're talking with Chris Martin from the Teams of Service newsletter. You can also find him at Moody Publishers, where um, where he serves as a content marketing editor. He's the author of Terms of Service. All right, let's talk about this New York Times piece, um, The Gamification of Humanity. In You've Been Played, a self-identified gamer warns against the dangers of imposing artificial incentives on all aspects of our lives. So, okay, what's going on here? Sure. So this is a New York Times book review, and I came across it uh, earlier this week. And uh, Adrian Hahn, who's a who's a respected writer in the sort of technology and specifically gaming space, uh, I think he works. He even started a game developing company himself. Talks. He he has a book out called You've Been Played, and I the book is now is a tremendous book review, concise, short, uh, but it tells you exactly what you need to know. The book is on my on my wish list now. I don't I don't currently have time to read it, but I'll be reading it sometime <laughs> this fall. Um, the book is called You've Been Played, and it, it just talks about how gamification has come to every aspect of our lives. If you don't know what gamification is, I'm sure you can – you know how words work. You can probably figure it out. But gamification is how uh, every, how, how different aspects of our lives can be made to feel like a game. Perhaps you Fuel points. I just – this got me thinking about yeah. fuel points. Like exactly. I, I type my phone number into a keypad in order to get fuel points at the grocery store. That is right. gamification. Totally, totally. And yeah. you have uh, like fitness fitness trackers. Like I have an Apple Watch that is tremendous, and my favorite aspect of it is the fitness tracker because the way it gamifies fitness makes me more motivated. You have housework. Like I, I don't know if if any parents listening have done this, but I remember when I was a kid, I would have some, I would have chores or things to do around the house and I would have like a star, a star board thing, you know, <laughs> where it would like count, count my chores and I would get extra allowance or things like that. Um, at the end of the week or the month or whatever, that's gamification. You have, you have schools doing this through something called class dojo, which I don't have a kid, so I'm not familiar, but, um, I I've heard of it, but I'm not familiar with how it works. And then things, uh, in, in workspaces, there's all kinds of gamification in workspaces and most, most commonly, gamification in the workplace has been used in more blue-collar jobs, often in like warehouses or call centers. In fact, I have a friend uh, who who does this for a call center organization, uh, does gamification for this. And so this Adrian Hahn, the author of this book that's being reviewed, um, is a self-proclaimed gamer himself and I think even develops video games. And he's not a, a Luddite who's like, gamification is horrible and awful and we should never gamify anything, but... Uh, and I also think that gamification can be super effective and can be motivating and can be healthy. 
And I've experienced that myself, even just through like I described with like the Apple fitness program. Um, and I, I and the author of this book think that gamification can be really healthy, but we should all be a little bit cautious just about how we use gamification in our lives or how it is being used in our lives. A lot of times, especially when it comes to school or work, gamification can go hand in hand with surveillance. So surveillance, because if you're going to gamify something for a student or for an employee, you need to be able to track, unless they're self-reporting how much they got done, you need to be able to track how much school, how much of that homework they did or how much of that you know, warehouse order they picked and how much time. And so with gamification often comes a lot of surveillance, which is a problem for me and ought to be a problem for a lot of us. Um, And so we should just be aware that gamification is slowly taking over everything. And that's um, that could be a bit concerning depending on how it's used. Um, and, And we should just be aware of that and kind of keep our eyes peeled. So much of what, you know, what I do in my conversations with you and in my writing isn't so much shun gamification and and it's always awful and stay away from it so much as like hey keep your eyes peeled for this um as you're going about your life today or or throughout the next week look for ways that certain things may be gamified like you just said like fuel points is or or reward points and systems at all are are another means of that and that could be healthy if it like you know if it gives you a reason to be disciplined about where you you know get your gas and it can help you save money or it can be it could be sort of predatory if a if a retailer were using that in a way that uh you know took advantage of your of your finances or something like that i'm i don't i can't think of any examples nor would i list them but you should just be aware of how certain things are being gamified uh because you don't want to get into a position where you are maybe doing something solely to accomplish the game and not to better yourself in whatever way the game the gamification may be trying to better yourself yeah i i have a friend who um on the fitness front she got so um you know sort of drawn into the vortex of the competition that she she actually lost sight of the health um components of this i mean it can become an obsession winning the game totally can become an obsession um, in any of these areas. So, um, yeah. All right. That is super helpful. Um, you want to touch on this meta Facebook uh, question of whether or not it's too big? Yeah. So meta, uh, meta is struggling. Meta, the company, the you know now umbrella company of Facebook, Instagram, etc. Um, they're struggling financially. I, th- I saw something like Mark Zuckerberg's you know, net worth has gone down by something like $70 billion this year, which is just an unfathomable fact. Um, But yeah, meta meta stock is reaching new lows um, and it's really struggling. And in some, I mean, obviously that's not great for meta. And a lot of that's because they're investing heavily in virtual reality, which may or may not work, but certainly even if it does work, is not going to see a lot of return on its investment for probably a decade or so. Um, But a lot of it's, uh, you know, in some ways they might be grateful uh, because it's what meta struggling financially and, and on the stock market does for them is show that they're maybe not as dominant as they once were, which could help them in a lot of their antitrust issues and, and sort of monopolization conversations that they've been a part of in both Europe and the United States. And so it's kind of interesting. And meta is really struggling financially. And, and that's obviously bad in a lot of ways, but it could make things a little bit easier for them in their case that, hey, we're not as dominant as everybody says we are because as time goes on, they're becoming less dominant than they've ever been. 
it's it's a it's an interesting time to be alive and um i think that the economic um yeah, economics is changing. I mean, even uh, the way that we access things and the way we pay for things um, and the way online platforms pay for things, like it's all in flux. And so I think this is a part of, of that as well, as we've already noted, people migrating away from Facebook to other social media platforms and um, and on and on and on. The monetization, I mean, once you helped me understand that I was the product um, on every social media platform, particularly those that are free, I started really thinking much more critically about what I was seeing there and why I was seeing it and how it was getting into my feed and what that was doing to me. So I think even the equipping of more and more people to engage critically and responsibly um, on the social Internet is a part of why um, the economics of those businesses is changing as well. So you're to thank. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) And and yeah, I'm, I'm glad to help walk through these things because it can be really complicated and kind of scary. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we can, that we can talk about these things because we are in uncharted waters. It, it feels. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Chris, as always, thank you so much. You guys can find Chris and what he is working on at terms of service.social. That is his um, Substack, terms of service.social, where you can get all the things that he's writing and thinking about and cool links to things that are funny as well. This is mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We'll be right back. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3. 22 and 23. I just want to encourage you with those words today. When you think of the great hymn, great is thy faithfulness. Um, oh God, my father, there's no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. I just, um, I want you to revel today in the goodness and the grace of God, pardon for sin and a peace that endures, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Friend, let's uh, revel in the goodness and the greatness and the graciousness of God, his good faithfulness this day. There's another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.